The opinions expressed in the Continuation Podcast are individual and are not necessarily representative of Spirit Live or Toronto Metropolitan University. Thank you for listening. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Continuation Podcast. You know, it's been quite a while since our last installment for this show. Uh, So for those of you who are tuning in and forgot... My name is Griffin Butler. I am the host and producer of the Continuation Podcast. And on this show, we break down all things basketball. From NBA to WNBA to FIBA and even the NCAA, we break it all down right here on this show. And I couldn't be more excited to keep things continuing forward in 2024. So without further ado, let's get this episode started. We have quite a lot to go through, especially with the finishing of the NBA All-Star Weekend in Indiana this past weekend. Right now I'm recording this on Monday, February 19th. So this is fresh right after the All-Star game. So without further ado, let's let's go right into it. Uh, to start things off, on the Friday, we had the Rising Stars game. Uh, so for this game, it was the same kind of format that they did last year. Uh, it was a four-team mini tournament. The teams, or the team coaches rather, were Team Jalen Rose, Team Pau Gasol, Team Tamika Ketching, who for those of you that don't know, because I didn't know too much about her before this, she's a four-time Olympic gold medalist, former WNBA Rookie of the Year and 2012 WNBA champ, and she's also in the Hall of Fame for the WNBA. And then the fourth coach was Team Detlaf Schrempf, who, I also didn't know who he was, he's a three-time NBA All-Star and two-time Sixth Man of the Year with the Indiana Pacers in the early 90s. So pretty impressive coaching uh, right there. But in the Rising Stars game, it happened to be Team Rose who won the mini tournament, beating Team Detlaf 26-13 in the final game. And uh, once again, like I said last year and this year, this competitive event featured 21 of the best rookies and sophomores in the NBA right now, along with seven G League stars who actually made it to the final. Team Detlaf was the G League team, and they actually ended up making it to the final uh, and beating Team Pau Gasol, which was quite impressive, I would have to say. Uh, Anyway, Team Jalen Rose, the team that won, included Chet Holgram, Jalen Williams, both played for Oklahoma City Thunder, then hometown boy Benedict Mathurin, who's also Canadian, also playing on the Pacers, so that was fun for him. He had quite the performance, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, Also on the team was Derek Lively II, Jordan Hawkins, former UConn star, Walker Kessler of the Utah Jazz, and Jeremy Sochan of the San Antonio Spurs, who happened to replace Canadian Shaden Sharp, who couldn't make it to the All-Star game, or sorry, the Rising Stars game, because of injury. But to talk about Benedict Mathurin, who won the Rising Stars MVP award, he absolutely popped off in this one, guys. I mean, he uh, he had a dominant performance over two games, not as much in the second game of the final. I feel like he passed the ball around more and shared it with his teammates. But in the first game, he popped off against Team Tamika Catching. He had 18 points uh, and about two assists, I believe, in the first game, just completely carrying the load, and had some pretty good one-on-one matchups with Detroit's Jaden Ivey. They were going at it. Uh, For anybody that watched, they would have seen it live for sure. There was some jawing going on, and and that's part of the reason I love the Rising Stars game, because they actually play, they get competitive, and these young guns want to win, which makes it that much more exciting. And the coaches want to win, too. Um, So, yeah. First game, he had 18 points. Second game, he only had about four points and two assists. But uh, the team Rose, rather, was passing the ball around a lot and getting everybody involved in that final game, which is part of the reason they won. Um, But I just want to say shout-out to Benedict Matherin, Montreal, Canadian boy. He's going to be on that uh, FIBA World Cup team, we're hoping. 
or FIBA Olympics team rather we're hoping and the World Cup team later on so shout out to him Rising Stars game was a hit as always as I mentioned last year I enjoyed it a lot okay moving on to the Saturday we had the challenges in the NBA All-Star game the first challenge uh, that they showed was the skills competition Uh, this was a three-team format featuring three different events with the highest cumulative score winning the entire competition kind of the same thing they did last year but it was very different in the challenges it was a lot more uh technologically advanced i would have to say and for those of you that did watch the uh all-star game and all-star weekend you guys would have seen that court that was completely uh pixelated and and it was like a massive tv screen uh apparently there was a million pixels being ran through the court or under the court which gave it a interactive style which i thought was was really cool and very cool and, and interactive to see on tv and very good for the fans and i really enjoyed it so anyway they had that court for the skills competition as I mentioned, three-team format. The teams were Team Pacers, which featured Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, and once again, Benedict Matherin. Then uh, the second team was Team All-Stars, featuring Scotty Barnes, Trey Young, and Tyrese Maxey, who are current All-Stars this year. Shout out to them. And Team Top Picks was the third and final team with three number one picks over the last couple of years. Victor Wembenyama of last year, Paul Boncaro of the year before that, and Anthony Edwards of the year before that. So some pretty uh, some pretty talented teams here, which made for a decent skills competition. Uh, so let's, let's recap it. The first event was an all-skill relay where players had to go through an obstacle course featuring dribbling, shooting, and passing one at a time. You know, P- team Pacers, pardon me, ended up winning this by a long shot. I mean, Halliburton, they were the last team to go. Halliburton, I think they won by like 12 or 10 seconds. Uh, it was the team with the lowest time on the clock. Halliburton had like 12 seconds left when he was running down the court to make his layup, and he ended up. Uh, throwing the ball off the backboard to himself uh, for a pretty crazy dunk, which was uh, which was very fun to see for the fans. Moving on to the second event was the passing circuit, in which Team Pacers dominated once again. Uh, they jumped up to a 200-point lead after these two events. Um, so again, it was kind of like just passing into these moving uh, circles. One had to be a bounce pass, one had to be a chest pass, and one was an overhead pass, I believe. So not bad, showed their skills for sure, but Team Pacers dominated in this once again. And then the third event, which was worth double the points, was the team shooting circuit, which surprisingly enough, Toronto Raptors, Scotty Barnes, shout out to him, shout out to the Raptors, carried his team to victory by not missing a shot the whole time. I mean, Trey Young pitched in for sure with some long bombs, um, absolutely making his threes, but Scotty Barnes didn't miss a shot. So they ended up stealing this round from the Pacers, which ended up tying the skills competition. So with it being tied after three events, it came down to a half-court shootout in the competition in which the team to make the the team to make a half-court shot the quickest would win. And of course, who else but the hometown Pacers to win this event? It was Tyrese Halliburton that ended up hitting the game-winning shot. Shout-out to him. Super fun. I thought the skills competition was a great contest. I really enjoyed it. They made it interactive, and it was technologically innovative, which I thought was really cool. Okay, moving on to the next event, which was arguably the most fun event of the All-Star Weekend, the three-point contest. Um, You know, it was extra special this year because it had a lot of top-tier talent across the boards. The contestants included defending champ Damian Lillard, who won in last year's uh, competition. Then the 2022 champion, Carl Anthony Towns, he was in it. Also in it, Laurie Markkinen, Jalen Brunson, who's having a great year this year, Trey Young, who's always been a gunner, Tyrese Halliburton, the hometown kid, Donovan Mitchell, and Malik Beasley. For those of you that don't know, he is on the Bucks this year, and he's he's been quite the three-point shooter. You know, the preliminary round in this event saw four players tied with 26 points. I think that's what made it so exciting, is there were four players tied with 26 after the first round. That was Trey Young, Tyrese Halliburton, 
Carl Anthony Towns, and Dame. Uh, two defending champions, which was very cool. After that, in order to get it down to three, because they wanted three in the final round, it was a quick 30-second knockout, which saw the hometown boy Tyrese get knocked out with Trey Young hitting some some last-second shots to, to kick him out. And then in the final round, Trey Young and Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, went first, and we're both tied at 24 points. And that is until Dame Dalla, Dame, Dame Lillard, uh, waited until the final ball on his final rack to claim the championship for the second straight year. Um, he's been the first person to repeat the three-point contest since Jason Capono in 07 and 08. And, you know, he joins big names like Larry Bird, Mark Price, and Peja Stojakovic uh, as players to repeat in the three-point contest. So shout out to Dame. Super fun event. I loved it. I was intrigued the whole time. I thought it was awesome. Shout out to him. Now, something different that they also had this year at the All-Star competition or All-Star weekend was the Steph versus Sabrina three-point shootout. Now, listen, for those of you that are listening, I absolutely loved this event. I thought it was amazing. You know, it was a three-point contest, one round, Steph using the w, or the NBA balls from the NBA line, Sabrina using the WNBA balls from the NBA line as well. Um, and I thought Sabrina, she went first. She finished with a score of 26, which when you look at it, like I just said, that would have tied Dame for the WNBA contest, or for the NBA, pardon me, contest title. Tied it. She shot amazing. And then after her, Steph went, and we know Steph is Steph. He absolutely popped off as well, stepped up to the occasion, stepped up to the pressure that Sabrina put on him, which was a lot. And he finished with an impressive 29 points. But um, I did want to highlight, like, kudos to Sabrina. She is clearly an elite, elite shooter at the top level, men or women's. And props to her for sticking to her word and shooting from the NBA three-point line. I thought it was outstanding that she did that. And she proved a lot and, and really advanced the conversation that women are just as good as men. And one thing that upset me with that point, one thing that upset me was the commentary. I was listening to the TNT broadcast. They were the ones that were in charge of it. It was Reggie Miller and Kenny the Jet Smith. But I was upset because after this event, Kenny Smith was making comments specifically towards Sabrina that she should have shot from the WNBA line, that would have been closer. And when I hear stuff like that, I was thinking it doesn't make a lot of sense because it was just, it was really one ball away from tying Steph. One ball could have been, or a money ball and a normal ball, so maybe two balls, but also one of those deep Mountain Dew balls or whatever it was this year. She was one away, so it's not like she got killed. So for someone to say that she should have shot from the WMA line, I think is ridiculous. I was very upset to hear that. I thought it kind of diminished like what she had accomplished, accomplished part of me. So that was one thing I didn't like. But overall, I thought the event was awesome. Steph was super humble about it, so was Sabrina. And I hope they do something uh, like this, including WNBA players in the All-Star game, kind of like what the NHL does uh, for years to come. So I thought that was amazing. Anyway, moving on to the dunk contest, which was after this three-point shootout. Um... It was the final event of the night, as always, and it uh, it wasn't as entertaining, I would say, as the two previous ones or the previous year, with Mac McLung's introductory year being last year, but I did think it was still good overall. Uh, there were some things I agreed with, but we'll get to that later. Anyway, so the con, the contestants part of me uh, in this event was the defending champ, Mac McLung, G League player for the Orlando uh, Magic G League affiliate team. Jacob Toppin, who is Obi Toppin's brother, who's in the league right now. Uh, Jamie Hakez Jr. and a rare all-star all-star appearance in the uh, or all-star player appearance in the dunk contest contest, which was Jalen Brown. Um, so those were the four athletes in it right now, four players in it. Uh, Mac McLung ended up pulling it out the win uh, against Jalen Brown in the finals with the reverse jam over Shaquille O'Neal, who surprisingly fit into Mac McClung's high school jersey that he had worn in last year's dunk contest. I thought there was no chance I was going to fit. Even the commentators like Reggie. 
said the same thing, but he did. Jumped over him, cleared him, no problem, and hit a reverse dunk to win. Um, listen, my opinion about this dunk contest is, I think the three-point contest, I'll talk about that in a bit, I think the three-point contest has surpassed it in popularity, unlike previous years. I think in the last, I'd say the last decade, since the three-point shot has become so prevalent in the league. But with that said, I think Mac McClung, like, I gotta give a shout out to him. He single-handedly saved the dunk contest. A lot of people have been saying this over social media. And right now, with his second back-to-back win, or sorry, with his back-to-back championship in the dunk contest, he joins elite company with guys like, you know, Zach Levine, Nate Robinson, Jason Richardson, and even Michael Jordan as those uh, players to have won back-to-back slam dunk titles. So shout out to him. But I do think the NBA dunk contest needs to work it out try to get more players that are actually in the league like i feel bad for mac mcglunk because he's such a great dunker but he's not even in the league they're just bringing him in because he's such a good performer and such a good dunker so i'd like to see more players more all-stars in it like shout out to jalen brown some of his dunks weren't that good i'm not too sure how he made it in the final we'll talk about that in a bit but anyway i think the dunk contest could be better they got to figure out a way to to improve that for sure all right, we got to get going here. Let's move on to the final event of the All-Star Weekend, the All-Star Game, featuring the East versus the West, which is something they haven't done in a couple of years. So, uh, as per usual, the game was a high-scoring affair, where yet again, it was difficult to find actual competition uh, in a face-off with the best of the best. You know, the story of the game, I watched the entire game, the story of the game was kind of that Team East was the underdog, they were a bit smaller lineup compared to Team West, which had huge guys. You know, their starting lineup was like Jokic, Doncic, LeBron and um, yeah, so they were the underdog, but the East ended up popping off, and a large part of that was because of Damian Lillard, Dame Dalla. He had a dominant performance, which helped earn him the 2024 Kobe Bryant MVP award. Uh, he had 39 points and six assists on the game, but I did want to give a special shout out to Cat Carl Anthony Towns, who had a whopping 50 points and eight rebounds for the West All Stars. I thought he was going to get the MVP, but Dame stole it. Um, and similar to last year's game, though. It wasn't close enough throughout the game. Like, the East was ahead by, like, 15 to 20 points the whole time. It wasn't close enough to provide an exciting finish like we saw in 2020 and 2022. I talked about this in, I think, my first episode of this podcast. Um, You know, like, it's just tough to find incentive for these guys to play hard and to play defense. You know, like, the incentive this year was, I think it was the East, or one of the teams was backing the Boys and Girls Clubs of Indiana. So, like, their winnings would go to that charity. Well, whereas the other team was backing the Special Olympics uh, members of Indiana, where if they won, the money would go to their charity. And I mean, it just didn't seem to inspire the players enough to play hard on defense or, or to keep it close, at least. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I've seen other leagues. Like, I watched the NHL All-Star game in Toronto pretty closely this year, uh, with it being in Toronto. You know, they put cash incentives, a million dollars, for the winners of the game, uh, for their little mini-tournament. I don't necessarily agree with that because you're just giving the players money. I think it should definitely go to a charity, but there has to be something. They, they got to figure it out. It's very tough. I agree. You don't want players to get hurt. I can imagine like the guys don't want to get hurt. They still got 25 plus games left in their season for some of them trying to make playoffs, trying to make that push. So it's a very touchy situation, but I did think compared to 2020 and 2022 where the games were really close and we saw it get very uh, tight near the end, I did think it wasn't as good or even close to good as that. So just want to make that comment. Anyway, that's going to do it for the All-Star Game recap. Um, let's move on to the dunk or flunk section. Okay, welcome back to the continuation. Moving on to our favorite segment, or at least my favorite segment, everybody. 
the dunk and flunk segment where we, for those of you that forgot, we outline what I would call or what my opinion is was a dunk of the week. So something that was amazing, something that deserves to be highlighted, something that uh, was great for the game. And then also a flunk, something that I didn't like or necessarily agree with or I thought was kind of a fail of the week in the world of basketball. We're going to keep it NBA themed uh, for this segment. So let's get it started. Beginning with the dunk of the week, we're going to go right back to what I talked about before, the NBA three-point contest. You know, I watched this entire thing. I watched the entire All-Star weekend. I thought it was extremely exciting the whole way through. Um, It had some huge, huge names, defending champs like Damian Lillard, Carl Anthony Towns. You know, the only ones that are missing were Steph Curry, who was obviously doing something different with Sabrina, um, Ionescu, and uh, Clay Thompson and the likes of that. But I thought it was still an amazing contest. You know, you had four guys tie in the first round. And um, you had a big, dramatic finish with Dame, leaving it right to the last ball to, to win it. Um, so that was something I thought was amazing. It got the crowd engaged, got me engaged. They had that immersive court experience, which made it that much better. And uh, I thought it was a ton, a ton of fun. Moving on to the flunk Aww. of the week this week in the All-Star game. We're going to keep talking about it or in the All-Star Weekend, pardon me, I think the dunk contest judging is my funk for this week. You know, aside from the decision-making on Mac McLung's dunks, which were obviously great, I thought the judging and commentating on the contest was pretty terrible. You know, they made some really uh, skeptical decisions. I mean, for me, in the final, it was Mac McLung versus Jalen Brown. I thought there was no way Jalen Brown should have ever made it to the final. I think it was because he was an All-Star, he did. He had some good storytelling dunks. He made a tribute dunk to Terrence Clark, which was amazing. Although the dunk wasn't that great, like obviously the tribute was amazing. I definitely agree with that. He had a he had a Michael Jackson dunk with the glove, which I thought was very cool. But again, he's not really doing anything crazy. He's doing what the commentators and what people online were saying were uh, social or were in-game dunks rather that someone could do in a game. And that's not what you want to see in a dunk contest. You want to see creativity, right? You look at Jacob Toppin. I thought he was amazing, man. He did 360 between the leg dunks. And they were barely getting over 47 ratings, you know. And and then Jalen Brown does a simple windmill with a glove, and he gets a 49 almost, or a 48 point something. I thought it was pretty skeptical there. Again, seeing Mac McLung win again, it was pretty fun. But I thought the quality of dunks in the dunk contest in this year and previous years, you know, outside of Mac McClung, it just hasn't been good. And I think the judges got to play a part in that too, right? You got to put the right guys in the finals to see the good dunks. I thought Jacob Toppin deserved it. And uh, yeah, I think they missed they missed the mark on that one. So that's gonna be my flunk of the week, Duncan flunk section. So happy to have that. Okay, moving on to the next segment of our show at the continuation podcast, we talk about other news in the world of basketball. Right now, we're gonna focus on the NCAA. Um, as of recording this episode today. We are 27 days out from the March Madness Selection Sunday for both the men and women's NCAA tournaments. March Madness is my favorite time of year. It's just hoops all day, every day, and I absolutely love it. Okay, let's talk about it. First, we're going to talk about the men's side. As per usual on the men's side, there's really no clear favorite to win this year. I'll tell you right now, UConn is looking good. They're looking like a promising candidate to repeat. They're currently number one ranked with a 22-2 record. Following them is the powerhouse of Purdue with the reigning player of the year and Canadian, might I add, Zach Eady. Um, I watched Purdue play this year in person 
Uh, it was pretty fun. I watched them at the Rico Coliseum or Coca-Cola Coliseum. You would call it in Toronto. I watched them play um, Alabama, and then I watched TCU play Clemson. Let me tell you, Zach Eady is pretty unstoppable. Purdue won pretty easily. It was a close game in the first half. Then Zach Eady kind of spread it out. I believe he had over 25 points, over 10 boards in that game. He's just a force to be reckoned with. And in the college game right now, and the college game we know is a very team game, I think Purdue has a great chance. You know, they got some better guards. It's something they were lacking last year was guard play and just handling the ball, especially in late-game situations. They got some better guards. They look very good against Alabama. And, um, and yeah, I think they got a great chance. But UConn does look extremely promising. They got quite the roster. And right now they're pretty unstoppable with only two losses all year. So shout-out to them. Um, but after these two teams, it's pretty wide open. And we'll break down a little bit more of the men's side in later episodes. Now, let's jump to the women's side of things. As we know, for those of you that are listening, for those of you that listened to my podcast last year, the women's basketball NCAA tournament was unbelievable. Borderline, I think it was more exciting than the men's, to be honest. There were upsets, which there usually isn't too many upsets in the women's side um, because the highly ranked teams do such a good job recruiting. They have such strong recruiting classes. It's usually the top four teams pretty much make it uh, to that final four every time. That was not the case last year, and I'm hoping it's going to be the same this year. Um, You know, there's always the favorite right now. South Carolina is the favorite. Uh, who are currently undefeated. They're 23-0. You know, Ohio State's right behind them. They're looking extremely strong this year as well, a team that you don't normally hear of in the women's circuit, so shout out to them. Stanford, also a powerhouse, won not too long ago. Uh, They're not far behind in the championship debate either. And, of course, how can I talk about women's NCAA basketball without mentioning Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes? I mean, come on. Especially, shout out to Caitlin Clark, man. She's the new leading scorer for the women in NCAA and right now, oh, sorry, she surpassed Kelsey Plum just last week, I believe it was. And right now, as of today, on Monday, February 19th, she is just 99 points away from Pistol Pete Mervich's all-time record, which was deemed untouchable. I mean, this guy was averaging like 44 points a game, okay? Not to mention there was no three-point line for him. But Caitlin Clark, what she's doing is ridiculous for college basketball. So I just wanted to highlight that. She's doing absolutely amazing. I think they're always... They might be underdogs right now in the seeding, but I don't think you can count her out. I'd, I'd almost guarantee uh, Iowa Hawkeyes' appearance in the Final Four, especially with Caitlin, Caitlin Clark's clutch team. I mean, come on. But that's it for the other news in basketball segment. Okay, now it's time for the final segment of the Continuation Podcast show. You guys know how it goes. We're talking betting. Usually I would give a little bit of fantasy advice, but you know what? I'm just going to keep it betting for this episode. Maybe we'll move on to fantasy in a latter episode. But for now, it's the best bets for the week and uh, for the week that this episode will come out. So that those of you that are tuning in will be able to get a chance uh, at adding some of these parlay boosters. Uh, That should give your daily parlays a good boost. They should be locks. These are underdog picks, so they give them a boost. They'll give you a little extra money. Uh, if they hit, but I will remind you just ahead of time, obviously, bet responsibly, of course, bet with money you have if you are going to bet. Usually me, I just bet like five cents because I'm cheap, Um, but whatever you do, do it safely, and just a reminder, the lines are not out for these games yet. I'm just doing what I assume would be underdogs based on NBA rankings right now, uh, home and away schedules, and things like that, so always be sure to check the odds. Um, You can take my advice, you cannot, but this is the picks I have. We're going to keep track of it. Uh, for this uh, year and see how we're doing. So right now we're 0-0. Zero zero. So I got five picks starting with Monday, March 4th. I have the Oklahoma City Thunder to cover against LA, whatever the spread is. 
Moving on to Tuesday, March 5th, I have the Toronto Raptors hometown team to beat the New Orleans Pelicans in Toronto. Moving on to the next game, Wednesday, March 6th, I have Golden State to beat Milwaukee in Golden State. Moving on, last two picks, Thursday, March 7th, I got the Indiana Pacers to beat the Timberwolves in Indy. Moving on to the fifth and final pick, Friday, March 8th, I got the Houston Rockets to cover against Portland in Portland. So those are my picks for the betting segment of the Continuation Podcast. Once again, please bet responsibly uh, and do so with the money that you have. All right, folks, that's going to do it for Episode 7 of the Continuation Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in in the new year, 2024. It's going to be our year. I'm going to have episodes coming out weekly on a weekly basis following the same kind of uh, the same kind of format that we usually do. And again, breaking down all things basketball, NBA, WNBA, NCAA, you name it, FIBA. We're going to talk about it all. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your support, and I hope everybody has an amazing rest of the day. As always, keep on hooping. Take care, guys.